or in 1 John. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. It's in the back if you've got a paper one. If you've used that phone of yours for everything else in life, uh, type in 1 John. It'll take you there. Uh, we're in the first chapter, and in the first couple weeks here, last week was the first one. This is our second one on this series, or in this series that we're calling Walk This Way. Thank you, Aerosmith and Run DMC. Uh, but it's also fitting uh, for what we're talking about because John speaks specifically about walking, um, primarily in two things. Uh, he says two profound statements. We're actually going to find the first one this morning in our, in our time together. He says this, God is light. And so he says, walk in the light as he is in the light. He tells us to walk in the light. Everybody say, walk in the light. He also says in chapter 3 that God is love, another profound statement. And so we are meant to walk in love and not in hatred. Uh, and so those are going to be kind of the, the two hooks that we hang our uh, sermon hats on over these next few months together as we study the book of 1 John. Uh, this week I had great uh, hopes of preaching like eight verses here in the first chapter of First John, and as I continue to study the, the magnitude of this truth that God is life, light is, uh, uh, was something that kept narrowing the number of verses that I wanted to preach to you. So I was originally going to preach to you on a proclamation, which we're going to get to this morning, and a clarification, but I'm going to clarify right now. We're not getting to the clarification. Uh, we're just going to deal with the proclamation. All in favor? Aye. Those opposed? Doesn't matter. All right, anyway. Uh, and this is the proclamation that we're going to tackle today. I've already said it, but this is what John says. He says, I give to you what I've heard from him in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says this, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Um, all of our scriptures are profound and God-breathed and, and worthy uh, and, and, and for us to know and for, you know, it will affect our lives. But this, this is... This is big truth. This is, this is mega profound stuff. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I could take you to several different parts of our scriptures and, 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 and teach you about the, the, the nature of our God, being light. Uh, I'm going to do that actually a little bit later in our time this morning. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say, we could go in lots of directions with this, but what I want us to kind of uh, think about this morning as we're talking about God being light is that God is the only light by which true life is seen and then found. God and God alone is the only light by which we can truly understand his design for us. He illuminates that, makes it clear to us. And he is the only light which acts as a beacon for us back into life with him. We've been separated from him by our sin, but he through Christ, who we're gonna read this morning, called himself the light of the world. God is light. The Son of God is light, and that light shows us the true meaning, the ultimate meaning of life, and then guides us into it as we walk with him. Things get lost. Anybody notice that? Anybody have a panic this morning because you couldn't find your keys or a child? I hope it wasn't that. That'd be horrible. Uh, but we lose stuff all the time. Here, here's my experience. If I lose things in the light... Difficult. If I lose things in the dark, just wait till morning. Who's there? Anybody been there? I was walking across last night from Saturday service. We meet over in the loft. Next uh, Saturday, if you want to come and hang out, you can. We're going to meet under the lid. We're going to try it outside, see what church looks like there. But uh, this uh, uh, last Saturday, last night, I'm walking across, and I got this, uh, this ear mic here. Everybody see my mic? This is what magnifies my 
dulcet tones for you. But uh, now there's this little clip on this ear mic that comes apart from the mic, and, uh, and I put a, a backpack on my shoulders, and when I did that, I just yanked this ear mic off of my ear, not knowing, right? And I just kind of walked back, and uh, I got to my office, and I, I, I went to grab the mic and put it in its place, and this little clip thing on my ear, nowhere. What you would think, not a big deal, right? It's just this little rubbery piece right here. Apparently, it's like 50, 60 bucks for this thing, right? Who's making money off of these? Anyway, uh, so, you know, I was thinking, well, pipe cleaner does the same thing. No, no, I, I decided to go look for it, right? And so I got my little iPhone flashlight on, and I'm walking around our backyard here at like 8 o'clock at night, and there's some lights out there. It's not completely dark, but who's, <laughs> are we familiar with the whole needle in a hand, uh, haystack thing, right? This is like an actual needle. It's curved, but it's a needle. And I walked across all this grass and, and you know, from the back of this building to this building. And who, who wants to guess if I found it uh, out there? Well, here's why I didn't. Uh, it was underneath my backpack in the chair of my office when I got back. I just picked it up. Good God. Anyway, <clears throat> but it just reminded me of what we're talking about. Life's hard enough, but if, if you understand that we spiritually are not just functioning in life in the, in the light, we don't have light, we're in the dark apart from God, well, life gets doubly worse. In fact, we can be in the dark and not even know we're in the dark. You know, eyes wide shut. Oh, that's a bad movie. Anyway, uh, uh, it's, sorry I brought that up. Can, I, can we run that back? I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, but we can see things, but we aren't really seeing things. We could, does everybody get what I'm saying? Our eyes are open, but we're blind. Uh, my wife and her friend Lisa uh, were great friends in middle school all the way through high school. Uh, when we moved to Dallas, uh, Lisa and her husband Greg moved to Dallas, and they're both from the Indianapolis area, and so at different times during our time in Dallas, my wife and Lisa would drive with our kids a lot of times uh, back up from Dallas to Indiana to visit family and friends, and, and I'd stay and work and blah, blah, blah. One time they went, and uh, I know this never happens with anybody else here, male or female, but they got so engrossed in their storytelling and in their laughter and stuff like that that this is back before GPS would say, turn, you know, two miles. This was back when you just had to kind of memorize your routes. Who's old enough to remember those days? Anybody? Yeah. And so they knew the way from Texas to Indiana. They'd driven it several times, but somewhere along the way, they took a left when they should have taken a right and then took another left when they should have taken another right. And they called me at like two in the morning on this day that they left to go to Indiana and should have been in Indiana, by the way, by the way, now at, at this time. But they're like, Mark, somehow we've landed in Arkansas. And just so we're clear, it's kind of on the way. But where they were in Arkansas, I mean, it's like, babe, did you not see like state signs and stuff like that? No, we were talking and having so much fun. And I'm like, okay, well, how far, you know, well, we're going to get there sometime tomorrow. I says, well, pay attention and call me when you get there. Yeah. Uh, this describes so many of the lives that I'm preaching to right now. It describes my life. So often I could just get, you know, uh, uh, distracted or, or uh, you know, just kind of blind with my eyes open and I end up in places of darkness that I never intended to be. Um, uh, certainly can't understand entirely how I got here. That's why it's such a comfort to know that God is light. Now, we're going to talk about this one verse. We're going to do John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, a couple others, but uh, you know, we're going to stop here in 1 John. And we're going to talk about this proclamation that John is making. I, I give to you what I've heard, and, and I proclaim it to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Before I get to the God is light part, though, can I just talk about the first part of that verse? 
When we talk about this proclamation, the first thing that Paul lets us know is that we need to proclaim what we've heard and not what we think. When it comes to proclaiming God's truth, be careful not to riff, to improv, to add too much of, of your spice to his truth. Uh, it happens all the time. In fact, if you uh, left our parking lot, you could start driving and you'd, you'd go by churches whose founders uh, had basically adopted this as their method of worship and, and study of God's word. And so they came up with these kind of false ideas and, and, and now we have the cults and, and these other um, uh, you know, uh, wayward uh, renditions of the Christ life. And it's all the result of someone say, Here's, saying something like this, here's what I think about God and imposing that over what's true about him. Are you with me? Everybody understands it's how sin got into the world, right? The first people said, here's what I think about God. Like he said, don't touch this tree, don't eat this fruit. But here's what I think. I mean, the snake told me that here's what's really going on. And so here's what I think about God and sin was the result. And it's been the result of sin in our lives over and over again, maybe even without us knowing, uh, that we will just come over the top of what God has said and say, but here's how I see things. It's a dangerous place to be. Uh, I read this quote this week. I forgot to write down who said it, but whether it was a guy or a dude, or a guy or a dude, guy or a gal, guys and dudes, typically the same. Anyway, um, this is what they said. We are too often self-made people who worship their creator. Does everybody get what that person said? We're, we're basically uh, uh, you know, going by the assumption that I'm God. I'll worship me and my ideas over him and his. Paul said it this way to Timothy in his letter uh, to Timothy, his second letter. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and in the faith and in the love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, he says in verse 14, who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What Paul's saying to Timothy is basically this. Hey, bro, keep to the script. Don't go off on your own. When it comes to our truth, repeat what you've heard. A little bit later in that uh, same book, he says, I, I want you to entrust to faithful men what I've given to you so they can entrust it to more and it'll keep being passed down. Now that's, if you ever get me, uh, you know, come to a sermon where I'm preaching something, it's like, here's my idea. Here's what I say about God. And it's not rooted to some truth that we're actually reading from his word. Find another church. Don't let me be the one um, who, uh, who, who steers you away. Now, I pray that I never get there or ever do that. I certainly have bad days uh, in my preaching, but if I ever say something that I think is completely wrong or whatever, we have elders who, uh, you know, guard me in that, and, and it's never my intent to do that. Is everybody with me? You heard me say that? But if you ever go to a church and you're like, I don't think that's what God said, beware. Because it's so easy to get off in the weeds from the truth. We had a, um, you know, often we get responses. A lot of them are really super positive. Thank you for those. And some of them are, are, are fair in their criticism. Just so you know, preachers have bad days. Does that surprise you? You ever have a bad day at work? You know, where you know what you're supposed to be doing and you know how this is supposed to go, but it doesn't, doesn't go that way? Hi, I'm at work right now. How are you doing? Uh, there's bad, they're not bad sermons, but there's not as clear sermons or, or not as, you know, cleverly crafted sermons or whatever. They happen, right? And so this person was just talking about that and this person was, you know, writing her assessment uh, or at least, you know, I can respect her opinion on that. <laughs> but then they started talking to me uh, in this, you know, uh, email, uh, you know, about 
How some of the things that I was talking about, I was talking about the, the female and male relationship in marriage and how uh, the wife is to submit and the husband is to uh, love. And, and, and is anybody here for that? We did it a couple of weeks ago. And, 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 and one of her concerns was is that the things that I was teaching would, would not jive, in essence, with what's going on in our culture. And, you know, the, the, the things are changing and we need to, you know, be responsive to what's going on in our world. Everybody lean in. I don't care Amen. what's going on in our culture. It's not my responsibility. Uh, okay. Now listen, I care about people who care, and I, I love whoever would be concerned about that. But as, as a preacher of God's word, it doesn't matter to me if our message doesn't mesh with what people outside of us think is right or true. In fact, I'm here to proclaim God's truth, not align with yours or anybody else's. And we're, listen, Christians are here to speak truth and love. Sometimes we forget the love part. Careful now. God doesn't, you know, uh, you know, save us and give us a bullhorn so that we can go blow the door off our neighbor's house or something with all the truth that they need to know. We need to love them into the truth. But when it comes to, uh, you know, basically siding with something that is of the world or siding with an idea that is from God's word, we side with him. All right. And we proclaim what has been given to us. This is what was given to John. He's proclaiming that God is light. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God indeed is light and in him is no darkness at all. He gives a positive, God is light. He gives a negative, no darkness. He's basically setting up a dichotomy, uh, this kind of picture, right? This is God, he's over here, pure, truth, no lies, no sin, no iniquity. He is um, 100% right, and there is no wrong in him. He's all good and never evil. Next week when you come, we're going to talk about, this is, this, is a, this is a person. Everybody see the people? This is a person. This is how we like to live right here. We love to straddle God's truth and the, and the light that he is and, and still enjoy at times the darkness that is not a part of him. Here's what I'm going to tell you next week. Doing that's like putting your foot in two boats. Have you ever done that? This is what happens, right? Ah, and then eventually you're going in, unless you get in one or the other. And, and God wants you to stay over here. There's no gray, there's no dim. And listen, I know there's problems that we need to discuss and certainly you know, things that we need to pray over and, and, and settle in on. But what he's conveying here in strong terms, he's not saying God is a light, God's like a light, God it's sort of bright. He's saying God is imperially, uh, emphatically all light and no dark. And we need to walk with him in the light that he gives. Where did John get this from? He got it from Jesus. In lots of different places in the gospel, Jesus talks about being a light, but probably it's most clearly outlined for us in John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 12. This is what Jesus says there. He, uh, again, Jesus spoke to them, and he said this, uh, I am the light of the world. Pretty clear, right? I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love where he says this, at least where it's situated in John's gospel. Um, uh, he's teaching in the temple. Uh, in chapter 7, he teaches all that day, and then it tells us at the end of chapter 7 that they go home for the night. And then he wakes up in the morning at the beginning of chapter 8, and he's hanging out in the temple, and he's, he's just you know, teaching away, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of men who come to him with a woman. The woman has been caught in adultery. 
And, and in the culture of that day, let's all be grateful that the grace of God led them to bring this woman to Jesus because if they had foregone the carpenter from Nazareth and just walked her right outside the city walls, they would have started throwing rocks at her until she died. That's what was required of the law for someone who committed adultery. But they thought maybe this is an opportunity to catch Jesus in a, in a, in a miscommunication or to have him say things that they could trump up and, you know, uh, you know uh, throw out on Twitter and, and, and you know, uh, make him look bad. And so they brought, you know, what, do we, what, do you, what should we do, Jesus? What should we do? And Jesus played it great. Tells us that he, he bent over and he, he wrote some stuff in the sand. Who wants to know? Anybody want to know? But I, I, we, we don't know. We, we could offer some guesses, but he writes some stuff in the sand. And then he stands up straight and he says, okay, guys, whoever's without sin, you can throw the first stone. And then one of the preachers I was listening to this week says there was this glorious sound of rocks dropping to the ground. Just don't, 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 as one by one, these men, um, uh, you know, uh, deep in the fervor of justice and fulfilling the law, uh, all realized uh, that they, like this woman, uh, were a mess with sin, and they walked away. Remember what Jesus said to the girl? Who's still here to condemn you? And she says, nobody. And then he says to her, well, neither do I condemn you. And then he says this, go and sin no more. Go and live in righteousness. In essence, go and walk in the light. So it's no wonder he gets up and the first thing that comes out of his mouth, at least according to John, is that I am the light of the world. And he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, just like Linda or whatever her name was. She's not going to do that anymore. But they will have the light of life. I come into the world uh, as light. It's my nature. Uh, God's nature is light and not dark. But it's my purpose, Jesus essentially says. It's my will that everyone would see the light and walk with me in the light and that we would share in life together as I designed it to be. What remains in our time together is going to take us to the front of our Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, if you want to flip over there. I listened to a, a sermon from one of my uh, favorite preachers. When I go to church, I listen to other preachers out there because I preach at this one. And, uh, and so one of my favorite preachers is, is a guy named Matt Chandler, and he, he, he did a sermon on this. I'm borrowing from him liberally. But uh, he, he talked about uh, the first occurrence of God referring to light in all of the scriptures. It's in Genesis chapter 1. How's it begin? Our book begins like this. In the beginning what? God created the heavens and the earth. So we got some heavens. We got the earth. It tells us that his spirit in verse 2 was hovering over the water. So we got some water. But it tells us in the first part of Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. So here's what you got. Early days of creation. You've got darkness. You've got formlessness. I'll call that chaos. And you've got emptiness. Our scriptures refer to it as a void. But then God says, let there be light. And there was light. So interesting to me that he starts with light. Because the inference here is that light is going to reverse the other things that currently describe creation. 
Light precedes form. And so light brings form to the formlessness that existed before it. Light precedes fullness, and so light brings fullness to the void that was creation without it. Light brings illumination to the darkness that marked our world. It pushes it back and and left nothing unlit. These are the same things that God brings to us when he recreates us in a new life with him. In your minds, go back with me to the book of John. In John chapter 3, where we have one of the most famous verses in our whole Bible, uh, Jesus is hanging out with a Pharisee. His name's Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him at night. Right? It's dark. He's trying to kind of, you know, uh, hide under the cover of the evening sky. Doesn't want the rest of his Pharisee friends to see him. He's, he's risking a lot just by being with Jesus. And he comes to him and he says, Jesus, you're obviously from God. You teach with such power, such authority. You're just amazing. And he's, he's, he's trying to enter into this conversation. And Jesus says, hey, hey, Nick, let's just stop right here. Can I just tell you what this is all about? I'm here because you have to be born again. Who remembers hearing that before? Anybody heard that before? You got to be born again. And Nicodemus is looking at Jesus and he's just like, well, that's going to be tough. My mom's pretty old and uh, I don't know how I'm going to crawl back into the womb. But that's, and it's in your Bibles. It's really weird. He's not understanding, right? But Jesus says, no, bro, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. So here's what sin did to us. Sin decreated us. Are you with me? God created everything to be perfect, and we lived in the first two chapters of our Bibles in this sinless perfection. Everything worked. Relationships worked. Us and him worked. But sin came into our world, and when it did, it, it made a mess of everything. It, it brought back into existence between us and God this uh, formlessness, this void, and this darkness that we have when we are without him. So Jesus explains, in essence, to his friend Nicodemus, hey man, we gotta do this over. In the same way that I was there with the Father when we created the earth and and, and when I said let there be light, uh, formlessness became formed and voids were filled and darkness became light. That's the same thing that I wanna do. As you put your faith in me, formlessness will find form and voids will be filled and darkness will come to light. So with the rest of our time, how does light or how does Jesus, who is the light of the world, change our world? (laughs) The light who is Jesus brings form to our chaos. The light who is Jesus brings fullness to our void and the light who is Jesus pushes back our darkness. First, the light brings form to our chaos. I was going through my phone uh, just yesterday thinking, how can I show these things? Who loves emojis? Anybody love emojis? Three of you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> emojis are cool. And I was looking through my emojis and like, how would I convey this in a text? I would send you, if I wanted you to know that Jesus is the light of the world who brings form to your chaos, I would send you the light bulb emoji, all right? In fact, I'm going to encourage you before I, before I forget and this thing comes to an end, uh, Send yourselves these emojis. There's going to be three of them. Send yourselves these emojis as reminders this week or send them to someone you love and let them ask, what is that? Because we send emojis and people are like, I don't know what you mean, right? Uh, Send these emojis to someone you love and then you'll get to share this message with them about who God is and his light 
and his effect on their lives. But the light brings form to our chaos. Chaos. When I thought of it, I thought of the light bulb. If I put a light bulb over my head, what would you think I had? An idea, right? It's kind of become universally the sign of, of, of an idea. And when I think of ideas, I think of ideas in terms of the mess that I'm in. I need some way out. I need some light to be turned on. That's what we call it. The lights got turned on, right? The lights went on, and all of a sudden, I knew what to do. It's like when I was in Algebra 2. Who took Algebra 2? I barely made it. The first month, it might as well have been, you know, uh, uh, you know, Farsi or something like that. I didn't understand anything. That's a language, right? Is that a language? I think that is. It, it was something I did. I did I, there, all the numbers were gone. It was all letters with little numbers on the top of them, and I know what those are. Anyway, uh, uh, but I remember the first month as like a, a sophomore. I was, I, was, I was younger for the class. I was a sophomore in this Algebra two class, and I was like, what am I doing in here? And then finally a month in, the, the, the teacher saw that I was a struggle and my grades were reflected, and he said, Mark, stick around. And he sat me down, and in ways that I had never heard him explain in his lectures, he said, here. And he showed me a couple problems, and all of a sudden, who's been there? Bing! Right? And I was like, oh, I get it now. And I went home that night, almost excited to do the homework. Because at least I, was, you know, I had a chance. A light had come on, and I knew a little bit of how to put form to what had been formless. Darkness, spiritually speaking, it just plunges us into spiritual chaos, chaos and spiritual formlessness. The, the spiritual darkness that we experience is indiscernible, it's scary, it's confusing, it's paralyzing. You know, even if we think we can learn to navigate in it, right? You know, like, uh, this is my darkness and I'll just figure it out. It's like walking into our bedrooms at night with the lights off. You don't want to turn your light on, so you, you know, wake up your wife or your husband or whoever else is sleeping in there. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so you, you leave them off, and all of a sudden you're trying to walk around your room, and you think you know where everything is. Anybody ever done this? Think you, know, you know how many, how many just dents in my shin exist right now because I thought I knew where the edge of my very solid wood uh, bed frame was, and I was just a few inches to the wrong side of it. And, and I don't know what it is in the dark. When you're confident moving in the dark, you're like moving fast, right? All of a sudden, whack and you try not to say things you're going to really repent for and, and wake your wife up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's man, it's just hard uh, to, to navigate the dark. But then, then God comes in with his light. And what was unclear to us becomes clear. What was formless finds form. What we had no clue in, we now have a path out of, thanks to him. We could go so many directions with this, time won't allow all of them. But let me just say this, in my life, I know uh, discernibly, definitely, the times where God pulled the string and the light bulb went on. In our relationship together with uh, Eleanor, Eleanor and I, in the moves, we, we are at Brandon, uh, or in Brandon at Bay Life Church because God said, yep, go there. It was never a desire of ours, never, no offense, we'll love you guys, but like, it was never like a, a, a chief goal of my life to end up somewhere on the west coast of Florida, the only west coast on the east coast. But uh, uh, that was never, you know, my, the, my chief hope. But here I am, and I'm so grateful for it because God brought clarity to what was a confusing decision. I mean, I'm standing before you because God brought clarity to what was uh, a darkness I didn't even know I was in. I was a 17-year-old senior in high school. My parents moved from where we lived in northern Maine 
to where uh, they settled down in central Illinois. There was a long story that goes with this, but essentially, after six weeks of living there, uh, living there, my, my, my parents let me move back to uh, northern Maine to finish my senior year of high school without parental supervision. You don't know me that well, but just trust me when I tell you, <laughs> that had some dire consequences in my life. I had nobody telling me not to. And so in the first week that I was there, I was like, well, let's try this. And everything that I'd been told not to do, I dove headfirst into and lived in for about six months of my life. I was getting towards my senior year graduation and um, partying on a regular basis. I had gone to a particularly, you know, um, you know uh, uh, long and, and, and uh, powerful party the night before. And I, I came... I came uh, I came home super late and was hung over when I woke up in the morning, and the lady that I was staying with gave me a letter from my mom. It had come the day before, but I hadn't seen it. And so I'm there, hung over, and I'm reading this letter, and I wish I'd kept it because it's one of the greatest light bulbs that ever went off in my life. Because mom got all prophetic on her son. She started, her first line was, I know you're probably not living for the Lord right now. Eh, bit of an understatement, mom. But I want you to know I'm praying for you. And here's what I think God's going to do. He's going to send you to a Christian college where you're going to learn Bible and theology. And you'll probably become a pastor. And you'll probably meet some woman there and she'll become your wife. And you're going to go on to a lifelong, uh, you know, journey in ministry. And I'm sitting there. My head's throbbing. I can still taste what I drank drunk the night before. And I'm like laughing as I'm reading this letter. and thinking, she has no clue. How's it going? Light bulb, man. Then a kid's movie, light bulb, yeah. The light brings clarity into our confusion, form to our chaos. The light brings fullness to our void. That's the sun emoji. Uh, I love that uh, light is at the beginning of creation before anything else comes in. There is God, and it's his light. Just so we're clear, the sun isn't created until day four of creation. So as plants and animals and other living things find their existence, um, they are living off of uh, photosynthesizing, if you will, off the light of our God. And isn't that what light does? Light brings life to other things. It brings flourishing where there was none. I was out uh, uh, mow raking my yard yesterday. Does everybody know how to mow rake? Raking's way too hard, but if you get on your riding lawnmower and you just chop up the leaves, it's way easier. Uh, and so I was riding around for the first time in months in my riding lawnmower, and I noticed in certain places in my yard, there's green patches, like really good, fertile, you know, or, or vibrant grass. And then as you get closer to the trees in my yard, I got these big granddaddy oaks, as you get closer to where the leaves kind of stretch out from those things, it gets yellower and yellower. And then underneath those trees, absolutely nothing except the tree, because nothing can grow under there. It's because... Grass needs light to, or light to grow. The sunlight needs to be there. It's part of the process. So compare that to the, the, the garden that my wife had me put together for her for Christmas. Uh, it's this, like, I don't know, four by eight, you know, box that she could basically kind of, her and my father-in-law, when they garden, they don't have to bend down on their knees. It's just right there at this level. There's a name for it. I can't remember. But I put it together, and I said, where do you want to put it? Where's this big box going to live in our yard? Right in the middle. Uh, just outside our kitchen window so I can see the things growing, but I want it out in the middle. And I'm like, babe, that's going to be right in the way of my super cool mower. I mean, how am I going to navigate that thing? And all the grass is going to, you know, grow around, and I'm going to have to get the weed whacker out. It's going to be a total pain. She's like, yeah, but Mark, if we put it where you want to put it, it's just going to be a box of mud. 
because nothing will grow. Point. When the light of God shines in your life, there's an opportunity for things to flourish that weren't flourishing before. Now, let me just pause real quick and remind us that God is a good, good father. Didn't we sing that just a little while ago? And he's a good, good father, not just to us, his literal children, but to to all of those that he's created, all seven billion plus of us. He's given us things in his grace that he didn't have to give, right? Like he gave us taste buds. You ever thought about your taste buds? We've just gone through COVID. Some people lost the ability to taste things. Um, Kind of a bummer, right? And I'm sure there's some kind of, you know, uh, preventative or protective thing in having taste buds. But for the most part, my taste buds just know what I like and don't like. So if I left here this afternoon and I went and had one of my favorite meals, which is a big, juicy piece of steak. It's one of the best tastes in the world to me. If that hit my mouth, you know what I'd do? I'd do what you do. I'd make that noise. You know, you don't open your mouth because it's rude to chew with your mouth open, but you just kind of purse your lips and you just go, mmm. You know what I'm talking about? That's an actual word in our language. Mmm. And it comes from the grace that God has given us in taste buds. We don't have to have it. He just chose to give it. Isn't that awesome? Can everybody celebrate the fact that God in his grace has given in common grace so many amazing gifts to his creation? It's an amazing thing, but I would submit this to you, that there are greater expressions, greater experiences, farther flourishings that you can only experience in life when you walk in the light as he is in the light. There's some common graces but the, the greatest graces come when Jesus, the light of the world, shines in our lives. Jesus said this in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly or to the full. I've come so that things can flourish and grow in ways that they wouldn't without me. God's a good, good father. God brings light and he forms things out of our chaos. He brings light and brings fullness to our void. And then finally, he brings the light to us and he pushes back our darkness. This is the flashlight emoji. Uh, This is a principle of light. Uh, Light is real, darkness isn't. It's just the absence of light. Everybody gets that, right? I'm trying not to shine this in your face. But if I, uh, if I had this, a far more powerful light last night looking for my earpiece, maybe. I was still on my desk chair. I wouldn't have found it. But I'd have a greater success rate with a greater light. Why? Because the greater the light, the lesser the darkness. Like when you open your doors at night and, uh, and, and, and the light from inside your house meets the darkness from outside your house, which wins? Does the darkness just come piling into your house and all of a sudden sucks all the light out of your, your domicile? Nope. Your light that's inside your house shines out of your house. Sometimes so brightly that if people are walking up out of the darkness from the drive, to, you know, they're like, ah, right? Because their, their pupils go, boop, and, and they can't see anymore. It, it, here's the principle that John's uh, going to convey in, in his gospel. He talks about Jesus being the life and, and that the light was in him. And he says, verse 5 of John chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Can we celebrate for a second? The light who is God always wins, never loses. And and so even if you're in situations in life where you're like, well, he didn't win here or he didn't win here, the ultimate win belongs to God. 
As you're waiting for your story to be told, understand that even as we go through the hardships that are a part of living in a broken world, uh, that the light of God cannot be overcome. He wins. And if we are with him, even though it may not be the win we desire or want, we ultimately win because the darkness cannot and will not be overcome. But can I give you a troubling note? (laughs) Maybe a troubling note. Uh, Because the light cannot be overcome, that means our darkness that we think we are effectively hiding from everybody else is not dark to our God at all. God sees what others don't. We'll talk more about this next week when we go to the next verses, but there's this insidious part of sin uh, that when we experience it, we either like it and we fall into rebellion or we're ashamed of it and we feel guilt and we don't want anybody else to know our shame. And so both lead us into darkness. And this darkness needs to be kept secret. And so we start these two lives, the one that we live in front of everybody and the one that no one else sees. Just so you know, you were created for one life. One life to be lived with God. You're not strong enough to hold up two. And so if you have these secrets, whether it's an online secret, looking at, you know, pictures you shouldn't, or connecting with someone who isn't your spouse or whatever, or maybe you have secrets about how you're spending your money and you haven't told the other person in your house that that's what's going on. Or or if you have these secrets that are, listen, even far less seeming secrets, harboring a hurt, smiling at someone like you love them and hating them, as you do, all of these darknesses may not be visible to me or the rest of us, but God sees them. And so as I close this morning, I just want to kind of share with you, there's three different ways that these darknesses can come out. You, by God's grace, can uh, respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in these darknesses and choose the light for yourself. Best way, by far. In fact, my prayer for you this morning is that if you're living in a darkness, that you would allow God in his light to just expose it and to push it out of your life. Now listen, it may cost you. It may bring some difficulty in your relationships initially. It will certainly probably be embarrassing. But the best way to deal with it is to agree with scripture that if I walk in the light as he is in the light, I'll receive the forgiveness that comes from his son Jesus and I'll be restored to life with him and with those that he's given me. That's the first way. The second way is that you may not want to come to the light, but God might, in his grace, choose to bring you to the light anyway. You're going to get caught. Anybody ever done something and got caught? So just me. Okay, but, but if you thought about it, maybe somewhere you were doing things in the dark and all of a sudden uh, uh, you were caught red-handed or it came to light and you, you had to just be out with the whole thing. There was a guy, David, in the scriptures. He had... Uh, committed adultery and then murdered the woman's husband. Uh, he was the king of Israel, and he thought he had gotten away with it. It was like a, an episode of Scooby-Doo or something, right? Thought I got away with it, but if it wasn't for that pesky Nathan. Anyway, this prophet, a guy named Nathan, comes to him and says, hey, man, let me tell you a story about a guy and a lamb. And he tells this story about this guy who had a lamb taken from him, and the guy who took the lamb actually killed the guy who owned the lamb, and David was incensed. You remember the story, Nathan says, David says, who is this guy? We'll find him, we'll, we'll, we'll bring justice to him. And Nathan looks at the king of Israel and he says, I'm talking about you. And so David was dragged into the light. And it cost him. But if you read Psalm 32, 
David pens this song that just says, man, I'm so glad I got caught. I'm so glad that something happened. It was terrible when it did. It was hard as it unfolded. But I'm so glad that God loved me enough to drag my darkness into the light. It's made all the difference. Read Psalm 32. Now, the last one's this. You, you can uh, best is come to Jesus and just say, I'm sorry, confess your sin. And we'll talk more about that next week. The second is Jesus will out you. He'll make it clear and you'll deal with it that way. But that's a grace too. Are you with me? It's in his kindness that he leads us to repentance. But the last one is talked about in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about people being so deep in rebellion and so dead set against God and the light that God just allows them to experience the full effect of their darkness. When I think about the scriptures, I think about the prodigal son. And the father says, yeah, man, here's your inheritance. Just, just go. I'll be here waiting. And some of you might think initially, great, Mardi Gras every day. I'll just go out there and I'll just have everything I want, cake and eat it too. It'll be awesome. But remember the story of the prodigal son. What the world has to give you to quench your thirst is salt water. It'll just make you thirstier and thirstier and thirstier. It'll never provide you what it promises in life. And eventually it runs out. Eventually it's just gone. And you're kneeling before a pig trough eating pea pods and wondering, what have I done? But then again, the grace of the Father comes in and he says, come home. The prodigal remembered, yeah, I could go home. And when we go home, can I just remind you of this? The father leaves the stoop and he runs out on the road and he says, my son has returned. My daughter came home. My love is for you. Let's celebrate. Those are the three ways. My prayer is that as God's light seeks to push back the darkness in our lives, that you'll choose to confess and not wait. So we talked about three things this morning. The light brings form to chaos. The light brings fullness to our void. The light pushes back our darkness. The choice is ours to receive. If we're here this morning, we don't know Jesus, you can receive this light and solve all of those sin problems at once by aligning yourself with the light of the world and walking in life with him. I pray you do. But if you're someone who follows Jesus and you're like me, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, and you're heading off in parts of your life into the darkness, I pray that he shines his light on that area of your life so that confusion can have clarity, so that emptiness can be filled, so that darkness can be brought into the light and you can have life to the full. Can we stand as we're dismissed this morning? God, in your grace, you have given us yourself and you are light. And there's no darkness in you at all. And so as we contemplate this truth, as we reflect on uh, who we are and, and uh, the places that we inhabit, the thoughts that we have, the actions that we choose. Uh, help us to um, evaluate with you what's going on in us and where we aren't in the light. Lead us to yourself, God. Lead us to the light. If there's people here today who don't know you, uh, I pray that they'd be unable to leave for coffee and donuts or for their car or whatever until they get to talk to someone about this light that is you and they get to choose you and walk in the light with you.
I pray that there's, if there's people here who are, uh, you know, in, in places of darkness that they need to confess, that they do it today. That if they need help, they turn to us as pastors and counselors here and just, in, you know, to be able to encourage them as they seek to walk in your light. Uh, grant us as your church, God, your best. And we know that your best is in your light. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. God bless you. Go grab some coffee and donuts. See you about volunteering somewhere. If you want to talk, I'll be over here. Have a great week.